Well, good morning. Today, we're going to talk about grace. Grace is a word we use around church a lot. But what does it really mean? Grace is that thing that you want when you've done something wrong and you're standing before the person that you've wronged and you're wanting them to not treat you like your deeds deserve. It's standing before your husband or wife when you've done something wrong and you're hoping that they don't treat you the way you deserve to be treated based on what you've done. It's standing before your mom or dad. It's standing before your boss or the cops and you're hoping that... <laughs> and you're standing there and, and you know that they know and, and you're standing there waiting for them to respond to that thing you've done. And, and you're waiting and you're hoping, and the thing you're hoping for is that they are going to treat you differently. You're, you're hoping that they're not going to treat you as your deeds deserve. And what you're hoping for is grace. At the same time, grace is that thing that when it's required of us, is often hard to give. It, it, it's that thing when, when somebody has said something about you or, or done something to you and, and they're standing before you waiting for you to respond to them. And you're thinking, if, if I extend grace to them, then that's just not right. If I extend grace to them, then, then they're going to do it again. Then they're going to be let off the hook then if I extend grace to them, then where's the justice? And so we're resistant, we're hesitant when we're on this side of grace. And therein lies the tension for us. When we're on the receiving end of grace, it's amazing. And when grace is required of us, it's hard. But what is it? What is grace? Grace is undeserved, unearned, unearnable favor. It's favor that's undeserved. We don't deserve grace. When we're wanting grace and expecting grace, if we're expecting it and think that we deserve it, then it's not grace. If we think somehow that, that it's something that we deserve, something because of something we've done, that we've just, we deserve some grace here. Well, then it's not really grace. It's something you've tried to earn. Because grace is unearnable. It's, it's not something that we can earn, not something that we can do. There's nothing we can do in order to get grace. Because if there's something we can do, then it's no longer grace. It's something we've worked for. Or something we've paid for. It's like when, when you give, if you're going to give me a Christmas gift, say, say you're going to give me a gift and, and you're going to give me a basketball. But you know I like basketball. And you're going to give me this nice one. That's, you know, and, I, and you give me the, the gift and I open it up and it's a basketball and I say thank you. And, and I say here, let me pay you for it. And I give you some money for the gift that you've given me. Well, the moment I give you money, it no longer becomes a gift. It's something I've Paid for. And that's the same thing with grace. 
if we think we can earn it, if we, if we think that there's something that we can do in order to get it, to receive it, then it's no longer a gift. It's no longer free. It's no longer grace. And our guy Peter, he was one of Jesus' closest followers, and he talks a bit about grace. And so we're going to look at that and see what he has to say about grace this morning. We're in 1 Peter chapter 1. I'll start reading in verse 10. He says, of this salvation, this is the salvation we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. The, the, the thing that we've been talking about is, is that you must be born again. And, and to be born again is to, to think that, that what happened in history, that Jesus came to this earth from God the Father. He came and and submitted himself to the Roman authorities and died on a cross to pay for the forgiveness of our sins. And when we accept that, when we put our faith and trust in that event, that he didn't just die, but he rose again, that that when we do that, he conquered death, he conquered our sins. And so we have this salvation from our sins. We have this salvation from eternity apart from God. And so that's the salvation he's talking about. He says, of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully. Who prophesied? They, the, the prophets of the Old Testament, they, they prophesied that there was something that was coming. And the something that was coming was Jesus. The, the something that was coming was, was the Messiah who was going to come and deliver the people. And so they talked about it. They knew it was coming, but they they weren't quite sure who it was going to be. They weren't quite sure exactly when it was going to be, but they knew it was coming. And when Peter writes about that event, about that person who came, as as he thinks about the word to use here about what that was, he says, of the grace that would come to you. He talks about Jesus, the person, and and the event that happened in history. He describes it as grace. And he says, Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you, through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit, sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. So Peter's writing to this group of people, this group of people who've decided to follow Jesus. And he's saying, people have told you about this message, this message about Jesus coming from God and and dying for your sins and mine. and, And that's the gospel that they preached to this group of people. And Peter's saying, you've were told about that, but it wasn't just you who were told about that. It was the prophets who even told about that earlier. And he describes this whole thing, this whole event, this person of Jesus coming as grace. You see, I think the reason Peter uses the word grace here is because Peter's life was a front row seat to the grace of God. Peter's whole life was a front row seat to the grace of God. You see, Peter was there that day when 
when Jesus walked up to this tax collector named Matthew. And he said, Matthew, come, follow me. Now imagine Peter. Peter was sitting there thinking, I'm sure, Jesus, what are you doing? Don't you know what he does for a living? He's a tax collector. Tax collectors weren't just regular sinners. They had their own category of sinning, which was below the regular sinners. I mean, Jesus, Matthew is one of those guys. He was one of those guys who who betrayed and was a traitor to the nation of Israel because he sided with Rome. Jesus, don't you know who you're talking to? And Jesus, I think, you know, if it's an imaginary conversation, I think he says, yeah, I I know who I'm talking to. I mean, he knows everything, right? And, And so Jesus says to Matthew, Matthew, come, follow me. And maybe even Peter out loud, we don't know for sure, but Jesus, if, if you're going to ask Matthew to follow you, I'm not sure I want to follow you. He can't be one of us. I mean, we're the good guys, right? And Jesus, I think, would say to Peter, Peter, I'm asking him to follow, and he's going to be one of us. And I think Peter might be saying, okay, maybe he'll say no. (laughs) Matthew says, all right, Jesus, I'll follow you. Where are we going? And Jesus says, let's go to your house. And Peter's like, I ain't going to his house. And Jesus says, if you're following me, we're going to his house. So there they go, off to Matthew's house. But Matthew's not the only one there. I think Jesus had said, Matthew, just invite your friends. And the only friends Matthew had was other tax collectors and sinners. And so they're at Matthew's house with a whole bunch of tax collectors and sinners, and then Jesus and Peter and some of the other followers. And I think Peter might have gotten to the house and was like, I ain't going in there. And imagine the scene. There's this group of people who are nothing like Jesus. There's this group of people who are referred to as tax collectors and sinners. They're the the riffraff of society. Imagine that group of people hanging out in a party scenario. There's things being uh, eaten and things being consumed, uh, let's say. And uh, you've got Jesus there. And the Pharisees hear about this party that's happening and and they hear what's going on and and they know that Jesus is there with tax collectors and sinners. And so I think they come to the house, but I don't think they actually go in. And and I think they may have, you know, called somebody out and then sent word in and said, Jesus, what are you doing? Why are you here with Matthew and his friends? What, What are you doing? And Jesus either tells them face-to-face or sends word out, says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And I think Matthew may have even overheard Jesus say that, and, and Matthew might have been thinking, Jesus, are you saying I'm sick? You're a guest at my house. You should treat me, you know, better than this. And 
And but Jesus would say, yes, Matthew, you're sick. But I want you to follow me anyway. And Peter's like, but, but he hasn't even repented yet. He hasn't even paid back all the money he's stolen from all the people. Jesus, he can't follow you unless he's done all that, right? Jesus would say, no, I, I know who he is. I know what he's done. And I'm asking him to follow me. You see, Peter had a front row seat to the grace that Jesus extended to Matthew on that day. Later on, Jesus would be going up to the temple. And, and as he was going up to the temple one day, he was confronted by a group of Pharisees and Jesus was not the only one there. He had his followers with him. And, and as they're going into the temple, he, he's, he's confronted by a group of Pharisees who have this woman with them. And they say, Jesus, we, we've got something for you here. He says, this woman has been caught in adultery. Our law, the Old Testament law, says that we should stone her. Jesus, what do you say we should do with her? And Jesus doesn't respond immediately. Jesus bends down and starts drawing in the sand. We're not quite sure what he was drawing. You know, Mr. Potato Head, or I don't know. And they ask Jesus again, Jesus, what, what should we do with her? What, what do you think? Now imagine, imagine the woman. She's been caught. There's no getting out of this. No getting off on a technicality. She's caught dead to rights. And she knows the law. And she knows what should be coming to her. Imagine her thoughts that are going through her head at that time. And the Pharisee said, Jesus, what, what should we do? What should we do? And she's waiting to hear the words of Jesus. And she thinks she knows what's coming. She knows that she's going to be condemned to death. But Jesus says, all right, you Pharisees who've called her all out here, whoever is without sin, you cast the first stone. And it says, one by one, they dropped their stone and they left. And Jesus is left with this woman and Jesus' followers looking on and Peter being one of them. And he says to her, he says, now go and leave your life of sin. You see, Jesus extended grace to her. But he said, it's not enough just to extend grace. He said, then you leave your life of sin. And Peter, again, had a front row seat to the grace that Jesus extends to this woman caught in adultery. And sometime later, Peter is standing there looking at these three crosses. And his friend, his rabbi, his Lord, 
is hanging on the middle one. And on either side are these two criminals being crucified along with Jesus. And Peter is looking on and seeing this, and and one of the criminals says to Jesus, says, hey, aren't you supposed to be the Messiah? If you are, then why don't you save yourself? And while you're at it, us too. In other words, he was mocking him. Aren't you the one that was supposed to to save Israel from the hands of the Romans, to overthrow the Roman government and establish Israel as a nation, as a power? Aren't you that guy? If If you're that guy, then what are you doing up there? And the criminal on the other side hears what's going on and says, hey, buddy, This guy has done nothing wrong. He shouldn't be up here. You you and me, we deserve to be here. The things we've done, we deserve what we're getting. But this guy, he doesn't deserve to be here. And he says, Jesus, I know you're different. I know that this thing that you're coming to do is different, so... When you come into your kingdom, whatever that looks like, however that is, will you remember me? And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. And Peter has a front row seat to the ultimate expression of God's grace as Jesus would die on that cross. But you see, I still don't think Peter got it. I still don't think Peter understood it because grace is not something you can fully understand until you experience it. And you see, when when Peter was there looking on at Jesus being hung on the cross, see, when Jesus had been arrested for that, Peter was kind of in the background following along. And at least three times, Peter, during that scenario, denied that he even knew Jesus. And later on, one day, they're having breakfast together on the beach. And Jesus pulls Peter aside and says, Peter, I know what you did. I know that three times you denied me. You denied even knowing me. I I thought we were friends. You're no longer part of the club. At least, that's what he deserved, right? But he takes Peter aside and says, Peter, I know what you did. I know you denied me. But I'm going to extend grace to you. Are you still in? And Peter says, yeah, I'm in. And he basically turns the whole thing over to Peter. And Peter becomes the leader of the church.
And I think that's when he got it. Because grace is something that you can't fully understand until you experience it. And Peter, although he had had a front row seat to the grace that Jesus would extend to Matthew and to the woman caught in adultery and to the thief on the cross and to countless others over their time together, I don't think he quite fully got it until that day on the beach. And so Peter would sum it all up. He would say, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Grace is an invitation not just to Matthew, not just to the woman caught in adultery, not just to the criminal on the cross, not just to Peter. Grace is an invitation to you and to me. And it's an invitation much like the one he extended to Matthew. An invitation that says, I know who you are. I know what you've done. But I'm extending grace to you. But, but I'm not going to leave you that way. I'm going to lead you away from your life of sin. Grace is an invitation to come as you are. No matter what you've done, no matter who you are. Grace is an invitation to come. Follow Jesus. But just know that that invitation of grace will include Him leading you away from your life of sin. So in a moment, we're going to sing Amazing Grace. And yes, it is amazing. And during that time, if there's anything that you need to get right with God, take the time during that song to do that. If you'd like to come talk to me, I'll be here in the front. If you need to come accept the invitation of Jesus' grace for the first time, the invitation is there to come. If you need to accept it for the tenth time or the hundredth time or whatever it is. If you need to say, I I need to follow Jesus. The invitation is there for you to sit in your seat and talk to God by yourself. If you want to come forward, you come forward. Whatever you need to do, the invitation from Jesus is there to you. For grace. But just know that that grace will lead you away from your sin. Let's pray.
Father, we thank you for your grace through Jesus. And so, God, wherever we're at, no matter what we've done, God, help us to follow you and experience your grace as you lead us away from our sin. And so, God, whatever needs to happen in these next few moments, we invite you to come. In Jesus' name, amen.